Today's scripture reading comes from Luke 1, 39 through 45. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her room. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has spoken to her by the Lord. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here. Um, we are in the season of Advent. In the season, uh, particularly in this week, as we're focusing on hope and what it means to be people of anticipation, people who wait for the hope that Christ offers us. And, and we're actually in the last part of our series for the semester in uh, just a, a few particular people and characters that we've been focusing within Scripture. The last time we, um, we had um, a community chapel, Mary Paul spoke about three young men. She even sang a song about them. And uh, the song was about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were three Hebrew men who were in a place of exile. Their Hebrew names were changed they were in a place that was not their home. And they were asked to bow down to a god that was not their god. A statue of the image of the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And as the story goes, they refused and therefore they were threatened with death by a fiery furnace. And they tell the king this in a, in a place of courage, in a place of trust in their god, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. But even if he does not, we will not serve your gods or worship the image. And it is the story of courage of these three, of these courageous young people, that we see a placement of hope in God. A placement of hope in places where it's challenging in places where trust is required. And they're ultimately hoping that God will bring them through, that God will be with them. And it's this theme of hope that we're going to be entering into this week and actually the one that we're going to be leaning into today. It is this anticipation, this expectation of this coming of the King. And it's so appropriate that Advent starts with hope. Hope is something that uh, stirs us to, to desire to wait in expectation for something good to happen. Hope is something that should deeply anchor within our hearts and within our souls and carry us through the darkest places and moments of our lives. It is hope that often gives us the courage to move forward in times of uncertainty knowing that there's probably something that's going to happen ahead. And this is the background of what Luke is entering into in this Luke chapter 1 passage. Because at the beginning of this passage, we read that King Herod 
is on the throne. He is basically a puppet king for the empire of the Roman Empire who have um, occupied the land. And there is hope. Actually, there's hopelessness. There's despair. Their hope is running thin. And the people of Israel had been in captivity for about 400 years. First with the Babylonians, then with the Persians, and then with the Greeks, and then with the Egyptians. And then later on in this passage, they're under Roman, Roman rule. And they're weary, and they're tired. The prophet Isaiah had spoken 400 years earlier of this coming of the Messiah. And they're probably beginning to wonder, it's 400 years. Is this Messiah going to come? And so the spark of hope is beginning to fade. But then we, in, later on in this chapter one of Luke, we encounter something that hasn't happened for a very long time, a visitation of an angel. And this is also a weird thing because uh, when angels do uh, visit, they're normally not, you're always wondering what type of news they are bringing. If they're bringing news of destruction or if they're bringing news of Hope, good news. And so we see that in this interaction with this teenage girl named Mary, the angel starts off saying, don't be afraid. Actually, you are favored by God. Imagine what is going through her mind at this time. There's been 400 years of silence, 400 years of living in this captivity, and now the silence is broken by these angelic appearances to a teenage girl, and before that, to an older man who is a priest who's been told that his older wife, who's also barren, will also have a son. The son who will prepare the way for the Messiah. And so this angel is bringing good news, but it feels weird that he's bringing it to what we think of the wrong people an old man, a teenage girl. What type of good news could they bring? And so I'm sure there are many doubts in their minds. For Zechariah, his doubts led him to uh, to, a time of of, of hopelessness and, and wondering, can this actually be? And so it led him to a place of silence. But for Mary... It's quite fascinating. The angel says, don't be afraid. And he hears, she hears the words saying, you are my favored one. You are blessed among women. And it is this acceptance of this identity that moves her into a place of saying yes. The angel tells her that she is going to bear a son, the son who is going to be the holy one, Jesus The child within you will be the son of God. And so therefore she proclaims and says, I am the Lord's servant. Yes, I will do this. I will take on this assignment. May your word be fulfilled in me. And it was that yes that changed the world. I find it fascinating as I've been um, uh, kind of going through a few scriptures uh, in my doctorate of ministry class. One of the things that we've been focusing on is the ways in which scriptures, in in particular, have used 
mother and child to bring about transformation throughout the Bible. It's fascinating. A a mother who decided to save her baby, put him in a basket and, and, and sent him off into the Nile to save his life. And that baby ends up being the one who helps liberate Israel from captivity. A mother who dedicated her son to the service of the temple. And that boy and that child grew up and became the one who anointed one of the greatest kings in Israel. And now, this young teenage mother is the one who's going to carry the hope of all humanity. Mother and child, the ones who bring about renewal, the ones that God uses to bring about renewal and transformation in the world. And it is this yes that sparks this hope. In in the passage that we read earlier, after Mary says, yes, let this be done in me. I am your servant. I will do this. She hurries over to meet the other older woman who is barren, but is now pregnant and is the one who's carrying the child who will prepare the way for the Messiah. It just so happens that Elizabeth is her cousin. And so she goes and she greets her, and it's something really spectacular that happens, that in the greeting, she says that the baby within her leaps for joy. And she's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the mood changes. A mood that started off with despair and hopelessness now moves to a mood of hopefulness and joy. We often sing in these days of Advent, moving into Christmas, the words of O Holy Night. And one of the lines that always gets to me is the line of a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. That even in our weariness, Even in the places where we are so tired of how things have been going in our lives, even in the ways in which we have been tired of the brokenness in which we are living in, there is something about hope that sparks something in our lives. It offers us a jolt. It offers us a second wind to continue to move forward. Any of you are Star Wars fans? Just wondering. Yes? Are any of you waiting to actually see the new Star Wars film that's coming up soon? I am a huge fan. Um, it has been cool to uh, journey a little bit with, uh, with my assistant, who's actually starting to watch all the films, and it's been pretty cool to, to see that happen and spark some conversation around that. But in the most recent film, uh, right before the one that's going to be coming out, uh, in The Last Jedi, they continually refer to that spark of hope that will light the fire. The spark of hope that will continue to move them forward. It is the rebellion. Those are the ones who are carrying the spark of hope that will continue to move forward and they have to protect it and make sure that it doesn't go out so they can continue to do the mission of which they were been, they've been asked to do. And so it's in this moment towards the end of the film where they have escaped and they've seen so much brokenness and they've seen so much loss and they've grieved so much and they're finally in this space where they're basically trapped. And they're trying to reach out to the other galaxies and the other places in which they're trying to reach out for help. And no one responds. 
No one comes to their aid. And Leah looks at the people around her and says, the spark is out. It's such a hard, sad moment to see in the film. But then something happens. I, I love it because music is always something that, that, that gets to me. I, I could hear the, 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 the piano version of Mr. Rogers and immediately start crying. That's how music affects me. And in that part, there's this moment where Leia looks. If you could put that, that, that photo up. She looks up, and then all of a sudden, this is the music major in me that's coming out. You hear this French horn come out of nowhere. <laughs> I wish I had a French horn behind me because then you would have to hear this horrible sound. But da, 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 da. And you're like, what is about to happen, right? And then out of nowhere, Luke. Luke emerges. And something happens where, where things just change. Where, where that spark has now been lit once again. It is something that happens and changes the ways in which Leia and the rest of the crew see their future. That even though they understand that they're still trapped and they're still being, uh, they're, they're, they're awaiting the, the, the arrival of the, the people of the empire of the first, was the first order, right? That are coming in, right? that something changes. The other part that I'm always reminded of is in the Avengers movie. I'm, I'm sorry, if I'm like spoiling movies for you, I'm really, really sorry about that. But in the end game, you, these movies have been out for a while, so if, I've, you know, if I spoil them by now, come on. But in the end game, there's that moment, right? Where you think everything is defeated, and then you see Thor's hammer just kind of like, it's moving, and you're like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, it just shoots out, and then it's like, boom, there it is. Captain America holding Thor's hammer, and you're like, what? Exactly, right? And the thing is, is I remember watching that in the theater, and everyone was like, no way! And everyone's like, yeah! you know and this like hope even in the spectators just emerges the spark happens it is quite interesting what happens I'm so sorry I ruined the film for you but the whole theater goes wild and you see the trajectory change when hope enters in the scene there's something that changes there's something that, that produces uh, this, this encouragement and this movement to move forward and push forward and to see the ways in which this is going to pan out. Thinking and knowing and hoping that it's going to end up in a good way. It is that yes from Mary that brings the spark of hope once again. It is that yes of Mary where she fully embraces her identity as the one who is favored and blessed. And, and, and to be favored is not for her own 
uh, raising of her status, but it rather leads her into service. She says, I am the Lord's servant. And it helps us to understand that when we have something within us, that that something needs to be poured out to those around us. In many traditions in the church, Mary is called theotokos. It's a Greek word which means God-bearer or God-carrier. The one who, who carried God within her. And so her response is to give birth and birth into the world the hope that lives inside of her. I remember reading a book in college called The God-Bearing Life by Kenda Creasy-Dean. She's a professor at Princeton. And she says this. She says, while the coming of Jesus Christ in a virgin's womb is the unrepeatable mystery of God, God invites us all to become God-bearers. Persons who by the power of the Holy Spirit smuggle Jesus into the world through our lives, who by virtue of our yes to God find ourselves forever and irrevocably changed. That we are people who by God's spirit have the hope of Christ within us. That just as Mary offered the gift of hope that was inside of her, we as the people of God, our bodies, our hearts, as we've been talking about before, we are the temple in which the Holy Spirit resides. And it is there to not only abide in us, but also to be poured out through us. To be a place in which Christ lives and dwells, but we also offer that, what is inside of us, to the world who is in need of hope and in need of that spark. We're very aware of the world around us. We're very aware that there are places within our own community here at PLNU that need hope. We are very aware that within our community outside of this space, that there are places in which hope is needed to move forward. That light needs to be shed in the darkness. That light needs to be shined in places in which hopelessness has just kind of become the norm. I'm reminded always of the phrase giving birth, that in Spanish, it's translated into dar luz, to give light. That when we birth out, when we offer up the hope that lives inside of us, we are giving light. We are offering something that is not of our own, but something that God has given to us, that we are also people who are blessed with that gift, that we are people who have been favored with the gift of God's spirit and the hope of Christ within us, to not keep it to ourselves, but to offer it to those who are around us and in our world. We need to be God-bearers. We need to be people who are carriers of God 
to offer hope around us, hope for our community, hope for our world. So my prayer for us is that we can be a people who can respond with a yes. To respond with a yes that changes things around us. To respond with a yes in moments of despair and moments that are challenging and moments that are really hard to say yes. When we think about it, the story of Mary and that yes was really hard. She had to endure so much being a young teenage pregnant woman unmarried in her society. And yet she said yes. And she lived that out and she carried hope within her and also gave it out to the world. So we, the hope for us as the people of God is to be a people of yes. Be a people who hold the spark of hope within us that allows the spirit to work in and through us and to offer the hope of Christ within our world. Every Wednesday, we have an opportunity to respond here at the altars, to respond to the ways in which God is calling us, to the ways in which God is prompting us to live out our lives. Perhaps this is a moment where you need to say yes to God. Perhaps this is a moment where you see hopelessness in your circle of friends. Perhaps this is a moment where you see hopelessness in your homes or in your communities or the people around you. This is a moment for us to be able to come and to receive the hope that Christ offers us. To come to these altars and to be able to uh, kneel down and encounter God. We always talk about this idea that the altar isn't a magical place, but is a place that symbolizes our encounter with the Holy One. And so, as we end today, the invitation is here to come to these altars and say yes to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are thankful for who you are. We are thankful for the gift of hope that you have offered us that has changed who we are, that has changed our hearts, that has transformed our very being. We thank you, God, that the light of the world has come into our world. We thank you for the yes of Mary and for the ways in which she showed obedience. And that obedience was something that changed the world. And so we ask, Lord, that we can also be people of obedience, a people of yes, a people who not only carry the hope of the world inside of us, but can also express it and offer it to the people around us, into our world, into our neighborhoods, in our dorms, with our friends, with those around us. God, we need you. God, we, we recognize that we are nothing without you. So we pray, Lord, that as we leave this, this place and as we continue to think about and ponder what it means to be a people of hope this week, that we can be a people who can wait on you, knowing that your spirit is at work and that you plan to do good things 
go in the hope of Christ this morning.